Welcome to Life Church. We are an ex 242 community, a family on a mission to bring the life of Jesus to Warrington. We hope you're ready to hear what God has to say to you today through His Word and by His Spirit. So, um, we're in church. Anyone think church can be weird? Not many of us. Not many of us. Maybe you've not been in church long enough. Uh, I've been in church 40-ish years, and um, church can be strange. It can be, that's okay for church to be a little strange. We're a very different bunch of people, um, and we're going to look at a part of the Bible where Jesus um, prays for the church, and it's important to pray for the church because, yeah, people in the church are going to be different to you, and actually there is very few places in the world that is like the church, where you've got this kind of very random group of people that come together. You know, like if we were to kind of create a team to go out somewhere, a few of us went and did a thing called the Crystal Maze this week. So the Crystal Maze was an old TV show in the 1990s, but it's like you can go to these little rooms and they're like mini escape rooms, but what, when you're doing that, what you want is you want, you know, smart people, athletic people. The church we take anyone. You don't have to be smart. You don't have to be athletic. You don't have to be impressive. Uh, you can just come. And so that can mean we're a little bit of a strange team at times. And in one of my old jobs, I was uh, an accountant and we were in a big national firm and we had this thing called Sports Day every year. And so every year, the Liverpool office would go against certain divisions of the Manchester office to try and win uh, against, you know, things like dodgeball and things like that. Not really, not high-intensity sports, but at the end, we finished with a game of rounders. So I believe some of you recently played rounders with Chris Lowry, right? So that was where well, he did a bit of a rounders. For those of you who don't know what rounders is, it's like really tame baseball. Like, it's like baseball, but you have to just throw it under arm and... My friend Gary, uh, Gary Mears, not Gary Myers, he goes to one of our other churches, but my friend Gary Mears was in bat and they threw it to him and he hit the ball and he hit it straight to first base along the floor. But he ran to first base, so, but even though the guy tagged the base and he was out, Gary Mears was not having this. Gary Mears put his head down and what, like what can only be described as a rhino, just carried on running, and he just headbutted the guy on first base, square in the chest, uh, knocked him on his fo- on the floor, and just ran all the way round to score. And everyone was like, "Well, this guy's out." But I was like, "Do you want to tell him?" I'm not telling him. Gary, I'm glad he's on our side. And so Gary just went into bat again, and nobody said a word. And so we were like, "Okay, we've got Gary on our side, and he's a bit odd." And church can be like that. So we don't want to go around headbutting each other. We don't want to go around uh, doing those kind of things. But we know that church can be a strange combination of people. So it is important that we know how to pray for the church. This is one of the final things that Jesus did before going to the cross. Is He's in uh, this garden or before this garden that he's in, he's kind of then praying and he finds a quiet place and he says, right, I'm going to pray for the people that I'm going to leave behind. And that is what we're going to be looking at here. So in your Bibles, we're going to turn to John 17. So John 17 will come up, uh, I believe, on the screen. I will read it from uh, the Bible in front of me. Thank you very much, Levi. 
So, John 17, verses 11 uh, to 23. So this is one of the final days of Jesus' life. This is pretty much the final prayer that Jesus prays, okay, largely. Um, obviously, he kind of prays and is in communication on the cross, but this is one of the final things, so that's really important. In this season of, of prayer, we're doing that in our preaches. Think, right, if I'm going to pray for the church, what kind of things should I be praying for? How do I pray? How did Jesus pray? So, verse 11, it says, I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I'm coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by the name you gave me. None have been lost except the one doomed to destruction that scripture will be fulfilled. And if you want to talk about the, um, yeah, whether Judas had a choice, that is a question for Dave Aikerman. We're not covering that today. We're going to do the bleep test instead. We'll keep it a bit simpler. Uh, I am coming to you now. But I say these things while I'm still in the world, so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I've given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I send them into the world. For them, I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who believe me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you've sent me. I've given them the glory you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them you and me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you loved me. So there's a lot there. There's a lot there that we're going to be talking about. But the first thing that we've got is that Jesus prays for unity. I think Jesus knew the church was going to be an odd bunch. Okay, so um, Jesus picked his team and it was an odd bunch. Last week with the youth, we talked about kind of what that looks like and how it is quite an unusual team that Jesus picks. And that is important. And so a few times in this passage, in verses 20 to 23, Jesus says um, that all of them may be one. In verse 11, he says that they may be one as we are one. And unity is really difficult. If you look, in fact, you can do it. Look around the room. There are people in this room who look very different to you. Like they are. Not everybody looks different to you, but there are people who look different to you with very, very different experiences from different cultures, different ages. And we did this in youth last week. We said, who, who have you got least in common with in the church? Because some of you are really different in age to some of the people in here. You're different genders. You were born in different places. You have different hobbies, different passions. Some of you love sport. Some of you hate sport. Some of you love Star Wars. Some of you have to love Star Wars because you married someone who loves Star Wars. And so all of these things that I, I quite like Star Wars. That I'm, it's not all the Lylins, don't worry. Um, and so... The church has all of those things. And Jesus, when he picks his disciples and his followers, he doesn't kind of go, right, what I need is 12 experts in the law. He doesn't. He doesn't pick it like we would pick it. Now, coming up, um, the next week, 
on next weekend, the football season begins in the Premier League. Now, it actually began this weekend for many of us. Grimsby lost 2-0, correct. Um, but still, we're in the league again, and that's very exciting for me. But for the Premier League, that starts again. If you don't support a Premier League team, you might think, well, I don't have anyone to cheer for, except for whoever's playing against Manchester United. You can cheer them, whoever it is, you want them to win. And so, but some of us, we play fantasy football. And so you just pick players. I'm, Lindsay Deller is going to enter the Life Church Fantasy Football League this year. She won't win, but she is going to enter because uh, what she realizes is I'm very competitive. And so, uh, so we'll pick our teams. Now, if you've not played fantasy football before, what you do is you pick players that will score you points. So players that will score goals, that will, score it, that will get assists, that will keep clean sheets. So you have a finite amount of money and you buy players that are going to be worth it. And that is not how we do a church. When we started this church nearly 10 years ago, nine years ago, there's an element where you think, well, we could do with somebody to do worship. You could do with somebody to do preaching. But that, we didn't go and hunt people down. We just said, right, we feel God's called us to start a church. And the people who felt called to do that we started a church. And we had some roles filled. Uh, I was ready to be youth pastor. We had zero youth for a year. And then our youth, number from youth went from naught to one. That is a growth of infinity. That is big growth, isn't it? That is, I mean, I would go to conferences and go, my, my youth is growing uh, by the scale of infinity. And so, uh, we're, but it isn't about filling the roles. Jesus didn't go, right, what can be the best? Because just as Jesus is praying for unity in this passage, in the same kind of time frame, the disciples are arguing about which one is the best. And that is why Jesus prays for unity. Because we all, whether we uh, like to think it or not, we have our kind of rankings of, where do I fit in church? Am I at the bottom, at the top, in the middle? Oh man, I just hope I'm not one of the worst. You know, and that is so dangerous to us that we kind of, most of us will think, well, I know I'm not the best, but man, I hope I'm not the worst Christian in the world. You know, and that, that isn't a thing. Jesus isn't looking to put the fantasy football team together. He isn't saying, right, well, obviously, you've got to have Lucas Dewhurst because even though his price is high, you've got to have him. He's going to get you the most points because, you know, uh, he'll be, answer his phone at midnight for all of us. So Jesus isn't looking to put his church together like that. He's saying, I pray that they would be one, that they would be one as I would be one. And we rank things like many of you will know that one of my quests in, in life is to visit all 50 states in the United States of America. Uh, it's that, or I have to spend three weeks with my in-laws when we go. And let's be honest, I'd rather go to Iowa. And so, um, so those pictures are the ones that we've been to. It's, it's very East heavy. I can accept that. It's very East heavy. Uh, and we're getting there. But not only do we visit all 50 I mean, you've got to have an order, right? You've got to have an order. The, the official Della state rankings, they get updated every year. Uh, some states are very upset with me, but they'll have to get over it. And so these are the rankings based on the joy that I have had when I go there. And they are controversial. We are going to get to number two. Some of you are going to say Indiana should not be above New York. And that's fair enough. I can understand that. I will explain to you shortly why you would be wrong. Lindsay Della hates that list because she quite likes North Carolina, 14th. But the experience that I had was I ate boiled peanuts in a petrol station. I mean, it's lucky to be 14th, isn't it? It shows how real bad West Virginia is. Real, 
real bad. And so anyway, we, like, so there are ways that we want to win. There are ways that we want to rank things. And church has to be a place that's outside of that. Church cannot be about that. Jesus said that, we would, that people would know we're his disciples by our love. Not by how good we are, not by how impressive we can be, by our love. And, and in Galatians 3, it says, In Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed, your, clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And you know what? We know that we all come from different backgrounds. But what unites us is not that we all have the same opinion. It's not that we all just think we agree on this or we agree on that. There will be things that we should agree on and there'll be things that we can kind of disagree on. And that's okay. And actually, unity isn't about just all thinking the same thing necessarily. It says, for we are all children of God through faith. We are all one in Christ. That is what unites us. Not our position on this, not our political votes, not our experience, not whether we like this. It's in Christ. You know, I have loads in common with my parents because they obviously gave birth to me and raised me and put up with me. But there are so many things in my life now that are not the same as my parents. Because when I became a Christian, like the things that, that kind of I have in me, they change. Because God gives us a new life and actually we have the Holy Spirit in us. And he puts new things, new gifts, new characteristics in us. And actually, if we aren't Christians and we've given ourselves over to Christ, when we have the Holy Spirit in us, that unites us far more than our experiences, than what we like, what we don't like. That's why we can take 74 people to Limitless, and we're going to have a great time. Not that we're not going to have problems. I'm hoping I don't have to bring many of your parents with threats to send them home or put them in a bin or set fire to their clothes or whatever it is that we're going to need to do to restore order. But what unites us... It's the Holy Spirit in us as a team. And just to, uh, to run this home, back in the day, I used to play football. That is me jumping in the air with hair. Uh, we were at a party last night for my friend's birthday, and there was pictures of me with hair, and Lindsay Della was taking them uh, because she'd never seen them before. She was surprised. And back in the day, my church, we had a football team, but we didn't play in a church league. We played in a men's local league. And so in that men's local league, there was a lot of rough men. And they would say, you'd hear them before the game, we're playing a church. That means we can kick them, right? They can't kick us back. And I'd be like, oh, man, this is going to be a fun game, isn't it? I'm going to get kicked for repeatedly. And that was so every week, people would just be hacking us down, trying to get us angry, trying to intimidate us, trying to scare us. And every week, we would stand in the middle of the pitch before the game, and the five of us would just pray. And people would think we were weird. People would think we looked odd. And we never got near winning the league. We would always finish third from bottom, fourth from bottom, fifth from bottom. And we did okay, but we weren't great. And after about two years of getting kicked around, after two years of me being cocky and wanting to win, and my team being so patient with me, even though I'd said, wow, we've lost that game because you're not very good. And they were really patient with a 16-year-old Dell who was very angry and very uh, hot-headed. At 18 years old, my, one of my friends said, I'm entering a team in that league. Do you, want to, uh, do you want to join? I think we could win the league. And he was a good player, and they were probably going to win the league. And I was like, oh, man, it's tempting, isn't it? And then I was like, of course I don't want to join your team. 
because I've got a team of people with me that have loved me, that have been with me, that have stood with me in the face of just real difficult times and I don't care anymore about winning the league. And it turns out my mate's team finished second. And so, uh, um, you know, it was, uh, they were like, well, if you'd have joined us, we might have won the league. And it was just like, but these are my brothers. This is my team. And what we don't want to do is be a people who go, there's got to be better places, right? There's got to be better things, more successful things. Actually, if we are to be the church, we need to know what it is to love the people around us, even when they're very very difficult but you can't just decide to have unity Jesus prays for it you know like you can't just wake up one day and go I'm just going to be everyone's best mate I'm going to love these people because loving people is really hard it's really easy to love people that are quite like you I mean even then it still can be difficult right it can still be difficult to love your family and so on but we need to know what it is to say God make us united make us one because Beyond our differences, beyond our experiences, beyond our disagreements, we want to be one because we have Christ in us. And that is the thing that we need. So the second thing that Jesus prays, and it won't be all as long as this, but Jonathan, get warmed up, is Jesus prays for joy. Jesus prays for joy. Uh, we see this in verse, seven, uh, verse 13 to 15. Uh, and it just says that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. And joy is a strange concept, right? Joy, we talked about it a while ago. There was a, a series that we did on things like that, and joy is a strange one. You kind of, you know it when you see it, right? It's, it's, we think of joy as times like this, extreme happiness. So in the last week, I've been to three graduations at university. They're incredible days. I have to, I'm, I'm on that stage somewhere at the back. I'm the bald-headed one. Lindsay put it on because she could see my shiny head. So yeah, I'm the one without hair at the back. I have to wear all these fancy, stupid robes and all that. And it's, it's kind of this great day because you've got this day where the family are, are overjoyed, the kids are overjoyed, everyone's celebrating. And there's so much joy in the room. And of course, that is joy. Uh, Grimsby Town got promotion this season, that was a joyous day. It was less joyous for Lindsay's family was I was screaming their house down, going, yes, yeah, and punching the air. And I think they thought something had broken inside me. But that was a joyous day. Another thing that is joy, Indiana is joy. No, uh, Indiana, my second favorite state, better than New York, better than Florida. And it's because the day that we had in Indiana, me and Lindsay walked through this small town of 5,000 people, and it was all the sunset was there. It was like being in a movie. It was very nice and romantic. They, they had lampposts which played music at you, which was very weird. So we were walking down. There was very chilled out music. We went to watch a baseball game. It was like a little junior baseball game as the sunset. Uh, and so we sat on all of the little stands and watched that. We went to a little bar for, that had 10 people in and chatted away. And the barman was excited that I was English. It was a wonderful day. Now, Indiana is probably not the second best state in America. I understand that. But in my opinion, it is because it was a day of great kind of joy. But the fact is, like, when Jesus is praying for joy, he's not just praying that we would have days like that. That's not the prayer. It's not like, I just pray that every day is like a graduation or every day is a romantic walk in small town America. Like, joy, um, Rick Warren, who's a pastor in America, says, he believes that joy is the settled assurance that God is in control of all of my life. It's the quiet confidence that everything is going to be all right and the determined choice to praise God in every situation. Because joy 
is natural when things are easy. And joy is hard when life is hard. And we know that life can be really tough. And we know we can look at people who experience great moments of joy and feel, yeah, but I don't feel that. I haven't got that. I've got a tough life. And I understand. And that is why Jesus prays for joy. Because he knows that we wouldn't just be people who work hard and slog our guts out, but we'd be people who have joy. Jonathan, can you come to the front for me, please? Um, uh, where have we got? Uh, who have we got at the back? Pete Clark, can you just stand at the back in front of that table just to protect Penny's cafe? You'll see why in a second. Right, Jonathan is going to do something that many of us had to do at school, and we still, they still have to do it at school. I don't know if you've done it at school ever, the bleep test. Oh, yeah, the bleep test. That's right. Don't worry. The bleep test can last an hour. We're not doing an hour here. Uh, that would be upsetting, wouldn't it? Not for me. Uh, it would be upsetting for you. So if you don't know the bleep test, what you have to do, and this is what they do to you in PE, in physical education at school, basically when you've really annoyed the teacher. And so they'll go, do you know what we're doing today? The bleep test. And what you'll have to do, as Jonathan will describe, is you run from, don't do it yet. Yeah, you're going to run from one end of the room to the other, and then it goes beep, and then when it beeps, you start again. Beep, beep, and it gets quicker and quicker and quicker until you want to, you know, vomit your lungs up. So, are you ready? Wait. Sounds fun, doesn't it, Jonathan? Good luck, good luck. You just run, wait till I beep, and then you run back to me, beep. It'll get quicker and quicker. But I'm going to do a mini condensed version of the bleep test, because otherwise we'd be here for 45 minutes. None of us want that. You, yeah, you've got, yeah, so wait, don't just run straight back, wait there till you hear a beep, and then to me. Ready? Go. He's gone too quick, too early. Too quick, too early. Beep. You've got to pace yourself, son. Beep. Oh, it's already getting quicker. Beep. Oh, you've got, make it, make it. Beep. Beep. You've got to get all the way. Beep. Quicker. <laughs> He's round, but don't give up. You, you lose two lives there. And when you lose your third life, beep, 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 people would sit you down. Thank you very much, Jonathan. Thank you very much. And so, um, appreciate it, Jonathan. So, yeah, 45 minutes of that. Uh, I never won one. I finished second multiple times to Jimmy Stevenson. Hated that man. And so, uh, yeah, imagine doing that for 45 minutes and coming second. Really horrible times. But I think there are many of us and myself included, that we think life is like that, like that we say, well, okay, Jesus, I know we need joy, but let me tell you, I feel like I'm chasing my tail on everything. I feel like I'm just trying to get enough done before the next thing goes off, before the next task kicks in, before the next day rolls around, before the next thing we have to do. And it feels like life can get quicker and tougher and quicker and tougher, and all we're doing is chasing. And Jesus says, I pray that my joy would be within them. And that does not mean that that life stops. It means that the thing within us, the thing that unites us, the Holy Spirit, the presence of God, that is the thing that brings us joy. You know, in Galatians 5, uh, it says, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And the thing with that is, a bit like with unity, you can't just create your own joy. You know, like, of course, joy is natural when things are happy. But joy is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus prays for unity and he prays for joy. Because these things don't come from within us. They come from outside of us as God inhabits our lives and as he changes 
our hearts. So we need to know what it is to seek God for unity. We need to know what it is to seek God uh, for joy. And the final thing that Jesus prays for is he prays for protection. Uh, And it says there, um, and it's in the verses 13 and 14, and it's that last line. It says, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but you protect them from the evil one. And so he's saying, I pray that my church would be united, that they would be one. I pray that they would have joy, and I pray that you would protect them. And I think, I used to read this and think, well, protection just means keeping us safe, right? It just means being safe. And I, um, for many years, many pictures of me with hair today. It's very exciting, isn't it? Uh, so, uh, sort of hair. You could see it was already going there, right? I'm about, 20, I'm about 23 there, and I'm hanging on. I'm really hanging on to that hair. It's really gone at the sides by now, but it's, it's still there, and that's probably what I'm thinking about right there, just going, I wonder how many years before I have to accept this. And so, so that is me in Spain. And for many years, we did a, a, tri- a trip with a church in Spain where we would just tell people about Jesus. And one of my jobs was I took a football goal uh, over to Spain, and the kids in the square would just take penalties at me. And if they scored three goals out of five, they could throw wet sponges at my face. Uh, and if they didn't, they couldn't. So you better believe I was trying as good as I could to save those shots. No eight-year-old kids getting three past me because I'm going to get wet and I don't want to get wet. And so I learned some Spanish doing that football goal, some very important Spanish, which was un paso, which means one step. You have one step. Don't, none of this massive run-up and hoofing a ball into my face. You get one step. So I was like, un paso. So I'd be in the streets just going, un paso, un paso. Okay, okay. And then the, the most important, nada más. No more. <laughs> so, like, when people were messing around, nada mass. And they had these crazy, like, like, fireworks that they would just throw in the street. And me and my mate were getting really scared because it was just like mini explosions everywhere. And we were like, nada mass, nada mass. And we were like, what's the Spanish for firework? I don't know. Nada mas, el bang bang. I don't think that's it. I don't think that's it. But we definitely went nada mas, el bang bang. And the kids were like, what? <laughs> what is that? And so at times like that, I was absolutely praying for protection from the Spanish children. There's no doubt I was praying for physical protection. But the fact is, Jesus' disciples, except John, they all died young, every one of them. So when Jesus prays for protection, does that mean his prayer is not answered? Like, surely not. Well, I think when he's saying protect them, you know, yes, at times there might be an element of physical protection, but I don't think protection is just what we mean it to be. I don't think it's just physical protection. Of course there are times when we need to pray for physical, of course there are. But I don't think that is the whole thing of Jesus' prayer is, well, just protect them, you know, keep them physically safe. Because he knows, he said to Peter, you know, this is what's going to happen to you. You will be dragged into the streets and you will uh, be taken and you will die. So he's not just saying, I pray that they're safe and they grow old and die. And so I think sometimes we think, but isn't that what being a Christian is, that I can be safe from harm at all times? And I think when we misrepresent that, we, we go down the route of what we teach children about bears. And let me tell you, we teach children wrong about bears because if you watch a cartoon 
That is what you think a bear is, right? If you're a child and you're watching TV, you think bears are lovely. You think, what a friendly bear. Look at Paddington. Look at Winnie the Pooh who has a shirt and no trousers. And we haven't got time to go into how what wrong that is. Right? And you think, what are these friendly bears? Rupert the bear, soft as you like. Real bears will rip your face off. Like, and you go, oh, lovely bears. They're not lovely bears. They're quite scary bears. And I think sometimes... We sort of have this thing that if I'm a Christian, everything's okay for me, right? Well, yes, but not in the way that we think it is. Not in the way that we are guaranteed to be safe from harm. And I think when Jesus is praying for protection, he again is praying for that Holy Spirit in us, that gift that is in us. We have a hope that is in us that goes beyond the grave. You know, many of you will know that my dad passed away uh, a few months ago. You know, he is not guaranteed to be alive on this earth forever. But we have a hope that goes beyond the grave. You know, we have a hope that says he is going to be with God forever. And actually, the thing that we pray for protection is that that message, that hope that we carry, the message that we will take outside of these doors this week, that is what we need to pray for protection over. That, that we will be protected from the ways of this world that would say, hey, don't think that, don't believe that, you don't need to do that, you can't do that. And our prayer for the young people when we pray for protection, I don't really often pray for physical protection. Maybe when we're going on a, a long trip and we have to drive. Uh, maybe when there's 74 of us and we, there's a good chance we might lose a couple. But generally, we pray that the gifts that God has placed in them will be protected. That the, the hope that they carry, that the joy that they carry, that the difference that they make in the world, that that is what is protected. Because we believe that God has put something in every one of us. The truth that is within us can change lives. It can change things around us. And that is what we need to protect. And so we pray that we are united. We pray that we have joy. And we pray for protection against fear, against lies. Protection that you can't do the thing that God has put in you. That lie that will tell you that. We pray that that will be protected and that you would know what it is to hold that. But again, that is not for you. Like We have talked about recently, there's a verse in the Bible which says, resist the devil and he flees from you. That's not the first bit, you know. It says, draw near to God and then stand firm and resist the devil. You cannot do it without God. We cannot just decide to do this. So we can't have unity just by deciding it. We can't have joy by just trying hard. And we don't have protection in our own strength. Jesus prays for all those things. And as a church, we need to know what it is to pray for the people around us. You know, like the, our young people who mean more to me than anything except Lindsay Della, like I cannot do those things for them. I cannot make them united. We're going to have some beef at Limitless. Some people are going to probably moan at us because they're not in the tent with their best friend in the whole wide world. It's going to happen. I can't just say to them, we must have unity. You know, I can't just say to them when, when their tents are leaking, we must have joy. You know, like, and I, we can say all we want, that we believe in them, but we need them to know that God is real, that God, what God has put in them matters, and that that needs to be protected. And we cannot just do that ourselves. We need God uh, to do that. And so this is the final thing, as we talked about um, in the final days of Jesus, the final thing he does before he arre he's arrested is he prays for the church. And when we're talking about a series on prayer, we can kind of generally say, well, what we need to do, oh, it's on prayer. I, let me guess, I bet the message is going to be that we need to pray more. And you know, I'm sure we probably could all look at it and go, yeah, we need to pray more. But if that's the message, we've kind of missed the point. Because if we're just saying we probably need to do more, 
then we miss the point. I want it, if I could leave you with anything from this, it would be in John 17 to just look at Jesus, that in the last days of his time here, he doesn't go for a stage, he doesn't think, man, what can I do is my big final thing. He goes to a quiet place and he prays that we would be united, that we would have joy uh, and that we would be protected. And so that is the one that we look to. And in, in v- John 17, before he prays those things, he just says this in verses 1 to 5. He says, look, the hour has come. Glorify your son that the son may glorify you. And then he says, you gave me all authority over all people that you might give eternal life to those you have given him. And it's really this verse in verse 3 that I want us to, to really finish on. He said, this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you sent. And we always think eternal life, it begins when we die, right? But eternal life is that we would know God. You know, and I don't know what your story is. I don't know if you've come to church because friends came, if you came to church because your parents made you. Uh, if that is your story, we can absolutely talk later on. I'll, we'll, we'll share our stories. But, like, let me tell you, there's a guy called Paul in the Bible who preaches in Athens, and he says there's a statue, and it says, to an unknown God. And he says, let me tell you about this unknown God. And he says, um, he says there that there's this unknown God And he says, I want to explain him to you that perhaps you would seek him, reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. And you know what, like, if you just come to church because you have to and you think, all right, yeah, I should pray because I have to. But that's not what we want. We want you to know this unknown God, this God that you might have heard about, you might have been told about, but you don't know him. Let me tell you, just as Paul said, he is not far from any of us. Uh, he is moments away, and for in him we move and live, and we have our being, and that is where we get hope, that is where we get unity, that is where we get joy, and it is him who protects the gifts that he puts in us, not in our own strength. So I'm just going to pray, so if you would just bow your head and close your eyes, or do whatever you want to do in terms of prayer, and then I'll hand to Lindsay. So God, I just thank you for all these people. God, I thank you for the team that you've given us, with all of our differences and all of our experiences and all of our disagreements. God, I pray that you would make us united because of you in us. Not because we agree, not because of our standpoints, but because you in us is more than what we think and what we uh, talk about. God, I pray for joy. For those of us who feel that life is just an unending, difficult slog, God, where our circumstances may not change instantly, I pray that you would bring joy up in our hearts, that you would just change things in us, that we would know joy in the struggle. And God, I do pray for rest for those of us who feel that struggle. And God, I pray for everyone who's been given gifts, that gift of the Holy Spirit, the other gifts that you've placed in us. God, I pray that you would protect them. I pray that you would protect every young person in this place from the lies that tell them what they cannot do, for the lies that tell them that they stand out, that they can't be like this. God, everyone who's maybe a little bit overwhelmed at what they could do if they follow what you've given them to do and the fear that would hold them back, God, I pray that you would protect them from those lies. And God, I pray for anyone who does not know you, to whom you are an unknown God, I pray that you would draw near to them, that they would understand who you are and that all of us would know that in you we live and move and we have our being. Yeah, so transform our hearts, we pray, and bring us all those things. Yeah, do that, Lord. We need you so much. Amen.
We've come to the end of this week's message. We hope you've been impacted and inspired. Keep up to date with everything that's happening by visiting our website at www.lifechurchwarranty.com.